You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rique, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by the publisher of the Bark Board, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. Uh, feeling good about football right around the corner, finally, at least Fresno State football. It seems like I've watched just about every other pro and college team <laughs> over the past <laughs> couple of months, but uh, now it's our turn, so uh, I'm ready to, ready to go on Saturday. Yeah, things are things are a little crazy. We've been trying to figure this whole thing out as to how we're going to continue to bring you coverage. Uh, of course, with this uh, uh, COVID situation, there's a lot of restrictions going on. So uh, as of right now, Jackson will be the only sole member of the Bark Board being able to attend the game. So he'll bring you that perspective while I uh, kind of lock it down here at home a little bit, so to speak. Right, Jackson? <laughs> Yeah, there. Um, you know, obviously, no fans allowed in the stadium this year. Very un- unfortunate, as far as um, you know. Of course, everyone I'm sure wants to, to watch the Bulldogs, but uh, uh, seemed a bit unsafe at the moment in California. So, uh, hopefully, there's uh, no health issues by no one going to the games. But um, it will definitely be a, a different experience. No marching band. No wave up and down bulldog stadium none none of the, the good stuff that comes with fresno state football so uh very curious to see what what it's going to look like on saturday but uh we'll have some eyewitness reports from what goes on in the game and maybe some things that didn't make it onto the, the tv screen yeah absolutely uh jackson is going to continue to try to bring you uh, a different perspective down on the field, trying to get you as much information as possible that we can deliver to you. Um, and so, you know, it's going to it's gonna be a little bit of a change of pace as we try and get used to this whole format um, until some of these restrictions are eased up. But for the time being, no, no fans in the stands, uh, very limited media access. So Things are going to be a little bit different here uh, this season. Uh, we're hoping that things will kind of start going back uh, more to a normal kind of a, a situation um, if you know COVID tends to cooperate a little bit, but we'll see what happens here. But that being said, Jackson, Fresno State plays host to Hawaii here at home, and recently Fresno State just named their starting lineup for this game um, and for the starters uh, as a whole for the team. And and how did that kind of shake out? What was your kind of feeling? you think there's a, a few surprises in the lineup here? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, usually we're there at just about every uh, football practice. And while, you know, you're not allowed to see every single thing the team does, you usually what we do at the bark board is um, get really good idea of where the depth chart is and go much further beyond some of the main stories, find out who the second string O-line is and all, all that good stuff that uh, our diehard, diehard Bulldog fans want to know. And just because of the restrictions and the limited access and the reduction of interviews, which is uh, certainly understandable given everything going on, uh, we didn't quite get that so this year. So uh, a lot of surprises on the depth chart that we didn't necessarily see coming. Uh, some of the surprises we kind of knew about already. So uh, some of our VIP subscribers at least knew some of that info ahead of time and weren't as surprised as most people would have been. But um, offensively, it's kind of uh, 
what we expected almost up and down the lineup. Um, Zane Pope, not with the wide receiver too deep, is a, definitely a surprise. And uh, Dante Adkins starting at left guard is really the, the big surprise on the O-line. Um, and then, but defensively, yeah. that's where things really got shook up. Uh, a new defensive scheme, um, uh, some players that are were needing replaced, and the guy like Justin Rice, who left abruptly earlier this uh, summer, that left an opening. Um, some players that were returning didn't hold down the starting spots, and we've got even some preferred walk-ons that are in the starting lineup right now. So we'll break down the defense one by one, but uh, that's really... I think where the most intrigue is, uh, as far as this announced two deep goes. Yeah, things are things are you know kind of kind of shook out very uh, very quickly. But we we did see one that everybody was kind of curious was that quarterback position. What was going to be happening there? And if, by the sounds of it, this quarterback position was a lot closer than most people anticipated. And what's your take on that between uh, Jake Hayner and, and Ben Woolridge really going at it during uh, this whole uh, this whole time period of trying to figure out who the quarterback was going to be? Yeah, and uh, you know Jake Hayner ultimately won the job, and that's what a lot of people expected. So uh, I know from those that haven't followed it maybe as closely, or were just expecting to see Hayner announced, um, it was kind of no surprise, but. Uh, the coaches were very clear that this was a very, very close quarterback battle, and it was not just lip service. I mean, they gave us statistics. <laughs> they showed what both quarterbacks had done all fall camp and how evenly it was when it came to completion percentage, turnovers, big plays. Uh, I mean, just about every stat they could give us, it was virtually a tie uh, after about two weeks, three weeks of practice. It sounds like between the one scrimmage they got to have, usually there's three scrimmages, but uh, with limited contact opportunities, they only had one this year. And it sounds like from that day on towards the next couple of practices that Jake Hayner started to separate himself finally. And um, they decided, it sounds like Friday, they picked Hayner for sure. And Coach DeBoer and Coach Grubb, uh, they had said they they had been reviewing the quarterbacks obviously all camp long, but the day before they decided, they actually went back on the film a second time, watched every rep from the beginning of preseason practices, and looked at all the intangibles and all the other things they could evaluate, and uh, they solidified their decision on Hayner. So, um, Jake Hayner is a, if you're not too familiar with him, he's a transfer from Washington. Uh, he was an elite 11 high school quarterback recruit that didn't get a lot of uh, offers from big schools because he only stands at about six feet tall but Washington was one of the schools that wanted him pretty bad uh, he went toe-to-toe with uh, a former five-star recruit Jacob Easton last year uh, Easton won that job very narrowly now Hainer comes to Fresno State uh, Easton actually left early for the pros and was drafted in the fourth round to show uh, how how good Hainer must be to have gone uh, so closely to battle with him uh, but fortunately for Fresno State uh, he doesn't have that. They didn't have the hindsight at the time. So now he's a, a bulldog and he's the starter. And uh, Pac-12 transfers that have worked out pretty good for the Bulldogs lately. If you look at Marcus McMarion, so uh, hopefully uh, Hayner lives up to that. And um, it sounds like Fresno State has a much more than serviceable backup with Ben Wooldridge. It sounds like if something were to happen, that uh, Wooldridge could step right in and and not be too much of a drop off. 
Yeah, of course. It sounds it sounds like the the Bulldogs have a little bit of a good problem there to to have right now with two quarterbacks being so neck and neck. So if one of them skips a beat, the next one can come right in and uh, and and take over uh, and pick up where the other one left off. But that that quarterback position uh, this year seems to be pretty deep, uh, isn't it, Jackson? Uh, if I remember correctly, there's probably what four or five quarterbacks on on the team here. Yeah, they're they're up to six quarterbacks. They brought in four new quarterbacks uh, this off season, and um, you know there, there's not. You had of course Jorge Reyna who graduated last season, and you had Stephen Comstock who moved to defense. He's at safety now. Um, so these other quarterbacks are, are pretty unproven. Um, the oldest of the rest is going to be Braden Wingle, who is a uh, junior college transfer from Bakersfield College uh, as a walk-on and. You've got two scholarship freshmen and a walk-on freshman, so they have plenty of quarterbacks uh, on the roster. But uh, it looks like, as of now, at least uh, the drop from number two to number three could be pretty significant. Um, but those any of those four guys, you can feel pretty good about their future at Fresno State. And by the time Hainer and or Woldridge are gone, you may have one of your next starters in that group. But you don't necessarily want them out there this season. No, definitely the. It, it, but it does sound like the Bulldogs are set for the future here. You know, they they may lose one or two of these quarterbacks um, by the end of the season, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, it sounds like the Bulldogs keep uh, keep moving in more talent into that position. So sounds good for the Bulldogs uh, right now. But next up is is of course the running back position. That's that's been solidified already with Ronnie Rivers. But how does things look behind Ronnie Rivers uh, moving into this season? Yeah, well, Fresno State will be very happy to welcome back Jordan Mims. Uh, of course, he was a big part of the running game in 2017 and 2018 in his freshman and sophomore years. Uh, but we haven't seen him for a while. We don't really know uh, what he looks like, how close to 100% uh, he is, or well, at least what he was 100% before the injuries. Uh, I'm sure he's as healthy as he can be at the moment because uh, he hasn't played since November of 2018 when he first was injured. Uh, had some setbacks in the rehab process of last year, so we didn't see him at all. So it's it's been a while, and we'll have to kind of wait and see if he is as good as he was before all that happened. But uh, for right now, he's the number two running back and uh, gives Fresno State a nice one-two punch. Um, we've covered the running backs uh, pretty extensively on the, the our premium stuff where we may see a, a third or fourth back get involved as well. But uh, Mims and, and River is certainly the, the names to know. And um, we'll see last year. I mean, even with Josh Hokett, who was a, he's currently an NFL practice squad guy. Um, Rivers more than doubled Hokett's touches. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how deep they let the committee go and how balanced they make it. Um, because Rivers really did carry a lot last season. And with only eight games, uh, you could feed them just about as much as you want and not be too concerned. Yeah, last season it seemed like the uh, the running game it's, it was kind of pretty inconsistent. Do you do you see a lot more improvement heading into the season versus what happened last year? Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is uh, the O line. Just the crazy amount of injuries they had last season, and guys coming in and out. Guys that frankly shouldn't have been starting last year or wouldn't have if it weren't for the injuries. Uh, so last year was, was pretty rough uh, as far as that goes. And I think that affected 
the ability for the quarterback to uh, to keep his composure in the pocket and for the running game to be as consistent as it could have been. And um, credit to Fresno State for getting a little creative with the end arounds to, to Jalen Cropper. I mean, those about 20 runs that they gave him alone boosted the running numbers much more than they would have been if they weren't for those plays. So um, this year with the not just a healthy O-line, but one that now is experienced. Uh, there was so many seniors on the 2018 O-line. Uh, now these guys have experience. And, I mean, there really shouldn't be too many excuses for any struggles in the uh, offensive backfield between the quarterback and running back this year. Absolutely. And and as far as the Bulldogs are concerned, the, the next group of guys, probably one of the most talented groups I've seen in quite some time for the Bulldogs. And boy, are they deep. And of course, that's the wide receiver grouping here. Uh, what can you say about that? You know, you see a lot of talent with guys like uh, Carrick Wheatfall and Jalen Cropper. And uh, I mean, it the, na- the list goes on and on. There's a lot of talent on this wide receiver group. And how do you break this one down, Jackson? Yeah, and uh, as one of the more important or impressive things I think on that list is the guys that aren't on it. Um, Zane Pope, who was the leading receiver last year, is not listed on the two deep. I'm not sure if maybe he might have suffered an injury in camp, but it's not within the realm of possibility that these other guys, uh, I mean, there's that much talent, I think, where it wasn't necessarily he was going to be a lock to start or even be on the second team potentially with some of these guys and Amorie Edwards as well, not on the two deep. Um, but the guys that you do have listed, uh, it sounds like Carrick Wheatfall and Jalen Cropper have really stood out in camp. And you've got Chris Coleman back at receiver from who was playing cornerback for most of last year due to injuries on that side of the ball. Um, but he's not guaranteed as a starter either. Uh, Josh Kelly, a redshirt freshman who uh, <laughs> had one catch last year for negative 10 yards. So, uh, Bulldog fans haven't seen much of him, but uh, he's really had a breakout offseason, and uh, he's worked his way into a potential starting position, and uh, they're expecting big things out of him this year. Um, Jamal Glassby as well, who saw some starts and quite a bit of action as a true freshman last year. You've got him on your second team. And uh, Eric Brooks, who is uh, actually a walk-on, who is really impressed. Uh, he's going to be one of your slot receiver options. And... Um, you know, the Bulldogs have more talent, per se, on the outside. So uh, Brooks working his way into the slot was uh, more viable than maybe some of the other outside receivers that you might have expected to see on the depth chart. But, uh, I mean, you look at those six and you feel really confident that Hayner's going to have plenty of talent to work with and uh, plenty of targets to find on the outside. Yeah, I mean, this this is going to be very interesting. It's a good problem to have. Jake Hayner is coming into a... Uh, you know, a real good situation when it comes to the wide receiver grouping that is out there. Uh, I mean, especially you know when you got a guy like Jalen Cropper out there who who can do it all. I mean, he he was probably the most dynamic player out there last season, taking those end arounds and and doing just about anything. You know, you get the ball into that guy's hands, he's gonna he's got a chance to score on on every play. How? You know how is that going to benefit Jake Hayner when you've got a, a guy like Jalen Cropper out there? Yeah, I think um, you know we've seen him do the end arounds and even throw the ball for a touchdown. Uh, so we know they're going to get creative and use him as much as possible. But I expect to see a big leap from Cropper for year one to year two, particularly as being a receiving target, because um, 
you know, Cropper was a four-star recruit and had a lot of high expectations. But one thing that the Fresno State coaches pointed out from the get-go was that uh, Cropper spent a lot of his high school days playing quarterback. And so uh, he was not necessarily as well-versed as a wide receiver, just as far as taking as many reps as his counterparts had done over the past couple of years, the high school. So uh, when you have someone as talented as Cropper, you're going to find a way to get him involved right away. And you would anticipate that over the last offseason that he's made made up whatever uh, strides and grounds that he's had to make to be on par with a lot of the other guys. So, um, you know, we all remember Cropper making a lot of highlight plays last season, but I believe he only caught like 15 passes last year. So uh, this is a year where I would expect him to get the ball in his hands a lot more in the traditional sense as a receiver. Yeah, absolutely, and that's going to kind of open up things for some of the other guys on the group. So it's going to – because you know they're going to be keying in on Cropper – uh, just watching wherever he is on the field. So that's going to loosen up the, the coverage on some of the other players who can emerge as other targets for Hayner. Um, but one of those targets could be the tight end position. And this year it's going to have kind of a, a little bit of a different look with the departure of Jared Rice. So kind of break that down as you know who you expect to emerge as the leader out of the tight end group who could be just about anybody at this point. Yeah, um, not just uh, Jared Rice either, but Cam Sutton, who uh, they looked like they were going to be a big part of the offense last year. And surprisingly, uh, Rice, his numbers went down, and Sutton didn't get a whole lot of looks either. And uh, both were undrafted free agents uh, after the draft, so you know they had a lot of talent there. Um, So this year, a lot of guys are going to have to step up for sure. We know that Kalen DeBoer loves using the tight ends. Uh, of course, Rice had his best season in 2018 when DeBoer was the offensive coordinator. And you look over at what DeBoer did at Indiana last season, a, a tight end was also his number two receiver there as the offensive coordinator last season. Uh, so th- this is an interesting one because there's definitely going to be a talent drop-off. It, it's impossible for there not to be. But uh, Juan Rodriguez is the one tight end that did see some time last year that is back. And then you also have Raymond Powell, who redshirted last year. The two of those guys were top 10 national junior college recruits in 2019. And so you do feel like you should have some uh, confidence and talent there with both of those guys having a year at the college level already under their belt now. Um, you do also have Rory Hansen, who is a new junior college recruit as well, who uh, looks pretty promising. So, uh it's interesting because the Bulldogs definitely have a lot more talent at wide receiver this year, and maybe this is uh, a season where they put more guys on the field at receiver than they would prefer. But I would also anticipate that the tight end position is not going anywhere. The Bulldogs might use one, two, or even three tight ends at a time, uh, even if it's just as extra blockers. So uh, look for Rodriguez to, to break out as the guy this year, but. I'm just not so certain that anyone's going to have a huge statistical year out of that group. Yeah, that's going to be one of those where it's going to, you're going to have to kind of wait and see what develops out of the tight end position because just about anybody, you know, could could lead, emerge as the leader because, um, you know, losing a guy like Jared Rice is, is a big hit. I mean, he was a playmaker when it came to catching the ball out in the field. Uh, so it's going to be. It's going to be interesting to see how they utilize the tight end position. Uh, but another another group that kind of had, like you mentioned early, uh, earlier, it, 
they struggled last season. That's the offensive line. And, of course, they're bringing back quite a few guys this season um, with the likes of Dante Bull, uh, Matt Smith, Kira Woodley, uh, Cyrus Tuatelli. I mean, some of these guys, you know, they've been there. So they've done it already. So it's going to be probably a more cohesive offensive line. But what's your take on on where they are at with with offensively on the line here? Yeah, you know, as you mentioned, um, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword in a way with some of them. You know, they were all out there at the beginning of last season, and uh, the last season didn't go so hot, really, the first few weeks as far as um, protecting Jorge Reina. I mean, even against New Mexico State and Sac State early on in the year when a lot of those guys were healthy, there was uh, definitely some protection problems. So uh, you would hope and anticipate that after a lot of those guys got some starts uh, at varying different uh, amounts based off of injuries within that group that uh, you should have a much more experienced and much more confident and uh, a more talented group with that year under their belt. But, um, you know, you also haven't seen a lot of these guys be as successful as you would hope. Um, it's interesting as well because you look at the second team and almost everyone on that second team also started last year. So, uh, you do feel like if the injuries occur again, they'll just swap some guys right in there and they won't be too much of a drop-off this season. But um, looking at the group, uh, Matt Smith, of course, at center, um, is going to be one of the leaders of this team. Dante Bull has plenty of starting experience. Cyrus Tutelli as well. Plenty of uh, experience going back to 2018. Um, so you feel good about a few spots. I think the interior line is where uh, you want to see Kyrio Woodley make a big leap from where he was last year and then uh, a new face Dante Adkins earning the left guard spot he was actually lined up at tackle last season and as a true freshman last year he earned a spot on the two deep but uh, ended up getting injured uh, right before the season started so we haven't really seen him but they're obviously very confident about launching him past the four other guys on the second team that have all started before so that's pretty impressive uh, about what they have to say about him and then uh, one new name on the two deep is Mose Vavao who was a uh, three-star recruit uh, out of high school he was actually uh, not one of the the top two offensive line recruits uh, rating wise that Fresno State got and um, the Bulldogs added some other late guys that were probably perceived to be more talented or had higher expectations but uh, Vavao is the, the one new guy that has really stood out as far as this year's new crop of recruits. Um, and then on the second team, you've got some familiar faces with Bula Schmidt, um, Tyrone Sampson, Nick Abs, Alex Akingulu have all started. So um, they definitely have options. And you would expect uh, with the year, basically year two of this group, as far as starting experience, Uh, they should have things down much better than they did last season. And I do think that um, as far as quarterbacks go, uh, one advantage that I do like with Hayner over Wooldridge is that I do think Hayner is a little more mobile or maybe a little more agile as a a smaller quarterback. So if there is any protection issues, uh, he should be able to buy that extra half a second of time that might go a long way. Absolutely. And we all know that 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 goes a long way uh, when you have – somewhat of a mobile quarterback to to feel the pressure and move the pocket so to speak just so that he can stay out of uh, harm's way uh and and extend the play so to speak so um but on the flip side of, of the offensive line you've got the guys on defense now the defensive line for fresno state um 
I guess in the past few years, it's kind of been up and down. Um, not really sure which way they're going to be this year, but I guess uh, you can tell us, Jackson, what do you think? Up or down this year as far as the defensive line is concerned? Uh, I look at the uh, defensive end positions, and I think there's reason to believe that it'll be a, a big time up from last year. Uh, defensive tackle, it might be a different story, but I do think that they have backfilled some of their 2019 seniors pretty well, about as, as much as you could expect. Um, the defensive end position is very encouraging because you've got two players that uh, weren't even uh, a factor when the season started last year. So to see those two names as your starters this year, you would anticipate that they've uh, really outclassed all the different guys that um, participated the last year at defensive end, but uh, weren't quite up to expectations. There was um, a lot that that group needed to accomplish with Michael Walker leaving the end and moving to linebacker last season that um, they got to the point where they basically had to move him back because that group wasn't getting it done. Uh, but this year, you have Kwame Jones, who missed the first eight games of last season with injury and really not sure if he was 100% when he came back. So you've got a, a true healthy Kwame Jones who has been there Starting since you know, Mountain West Championship days, he's got a lot of experience and should be a big upgrade for the dogs. And then David Perales is one that we don't really know or we haven't seen, at least in person, a whole lot. Uh, he actually transferred from Sac State uh, last year. He was a scout team defensive player of the year while having to sit out as a transfer. And he just launched fast all the other returners that the Bulldogs used last year. So, um, I would anticipate the Bulldogs have two better defensive ends than they had at any point last season. And the good news also is that all those other guys that may have improved since then are your reserves and your depth. So you got to feel pretty decent about the defensive end. Um, at defensive tackle, you have the one-star Kevin Atkins as a, a fifth-year senior who has started since late in his freshman year. And uh, he sounds like he's been really one of the breakout players of camp as far as getting to that next level. So uh, big expectations for Kevin Atkins and uh, kind of a combination of other guys behind him. Uh, looks like Alex Dumay is going to start. Uh, Arizona transfer Curtis Brown is right behind him. And you've got Levell Tatum and Matt Lawson as well. Uh, Tatum moving from defensive end and Matt Lawson uh, coming into his third season, looking to make an impact. So, um, there was uh, some concerns about the numbers in that group, but looking at the depth chart, I think you've got to feel pretty decent about um, both the first and second teams and the fact that you've got uh, three starting defensive linemen who are seniors or uh, two two seniors and you got Perales, who is uh, very experienced between JUCO and FCS football. So uh, I like that group a lot. And I think as far as consistency, that might be the one that you rely on as far as defense goes. Yeah, so it sounds like there's going to be a significant improvement as far as the defensive line is concerned. Uh, I know that's been one of those spots uh, over the years that's either they're really good or they're, you know, it's there's no in-between for the Bulldogs. It seems like they're either really good or really bad sometimes. So well, I'm kind of curious to see how that shakes out this year and see how, the, how things develop. Um, but the next group of guys, the linebacker position, Kind of going to be taking kind of a new look, right, Jackson? They're going to be uh, mixing in a new nickel back position. Um, so they're with the likes of like Aaron Mosby and oh. Sherwin King Jr. in there. It seems like they're a pretty solid group when it comes to the linebacker position, right, Jackson? 
Yeah, um, so you would have obviously liked to have had Justin Rice to work with there, uh, the Mountain West preseason player of the year who was no longer with Fresno State or in the Mountain West, uh, moving off to Arkansas State when it looked like uh, the Bulldogs weren't going to play, and he was wanting to get uh, some NFL draft stock in this season. So that leaves a big hole, but uh, the good news as far as Fresno State goes is that instead of three traditional linebackers or even four, if the Bulldogs would have went back to the Druder-type defenses, uh, this defense is a 4-2-5 scheme, which only has two linebackers. So uh, one last spot to worry about, and when Aaron Mosby is returning as one of those starters, uh, that leaves uh, a lot less to, to worry about. It uh, looks like uh, Illinois transfer Jacob Hollins, who was originally a Fresno Central High guy, uh, he may start and may also be redshirt freshman Malachi Langley, who was also a preferred walk-on. Um, so that one's interesting. Uh, I know Langley impressed in his four games that he utilized last season, uh, even if most of it was just on special teams. But um, one of those two guys is definitely going to have to step up there. And uh, Tyler Mello, a true freshman, breaks the two deep, so that's good to see. Devin Jarvis was a bit of a surprise. He's moved from safety. Um, so the Bulldogs list six linebackers that they feel pretty confident about, and we all know what Aaron Mosby can do, so... If uh, they just fill up that other spot, uh, they should be in pretty good shape. And then um, the Husky position is what uh, the nickelback is going to be called because it's, it is a nickel, but it's not the traditional nickelback that uh, you would normally see, which is basically just an extra de- defensive back for um, uh, pass-heavy type situations. Uh, this position is going to be an outside linebacker at times. It's going to be a safety at times. It's going to be a hybrid player at times. So they really need someone that can kind of do it all. And Lavelle Bailey is that guy. So I think he would have been a no-brainer to start a linebacker next to Mosby, but he's the best fit they have at this Husky position. So that takes precedent, and you move him there. And it'll be curious to see. um, They've talked about multiple players coming in and playing this position too, depending on situation. If You've got a, a big guy that you want on running situations or a, a speedy safety type guy on uh, passing situations that they'd probably sub guys in and out. Uh, Bailey is about as versatile as the Bulldogs have, so he may not actually have to come off the field very much, but uh, Justin Houston is listed as the reserve there, and he is the guy that made some headlines in late August, usually not time when Fresno State adds players to the roster, but uh, Houston was a, a pretty highly rated recruit who had a lot of power five offers. He's the younger brother of a USC standout. And as a true freshman, uh, he's looking to contribute there as well. So uh, some new faces, um, but you feel confident with Fresno State as far as Mosby and Bailey goes. Uh, you just need a couple other guys to step in and round out that group. And if they can do that, they should avoid uh, too much growing pains in that part of the defense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see just how they use that uh, that that additional linebacker position, uh, the Husky position. It's going to be something different uh, for the Bulldogs. Uh, so, kind of curious to see how that's going to work out for the Bulldogs moving forward. Uh, of course, the guys behind the linebackers, the defensive backs, and as always, kind of kind of like the defensive line, Jackson. They're either really good. Or they're really bad, and so where where are they kind of stacked up this season? Yeah, that's a pretty good point because we've seen 
you know, 2017 and 18, they got things figured out, and the defense from top to bottom was awesome. Tank Kelly made some big plays at cornerback, and uh, they were really rolling. And uh, last year, it was not so much. It was one of the big breakdowns of the defense, uh, even from the very start of the year, having to play a, a big-time passing team that USC was out of the gates. And injuries made it even worse. <laughs> uh, but the the defensive backfield is, is one of the more interesting uh, surprises as far as the two-deep goes. Um, we really only knew that Evan Williams at safety was probably the lock. And he's only a sophomore, a true sophomore at that. So, you know, this is going to be a young backfield that uh, is probably going to be inexperienced. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of guys kind of emerged in the starting lineup in the last month or so uh, alongside Williams, and none of them are really <laughs> back there as starters this season. Uh, Waylon Free is the most familiar name otherwise in the backfield. Uh, he is going to move from safety back to cornerback where he was two seasons ago and was frankly a bit more successful there. So it uh, looks like you can feel pretty decent about him. Uh, the opposite corner, surprisingly, is a preferred walk-on as a redshirt freshman who we have never seen play before, uh, Braylon Lux. Uh, he has passed up guys like Chris Gaston, Randy Jordan, Miles Martin, uh, Deshaun Ruffin, uh, who I'm not 100% sure if he's all the way healthy. He had a pretty bad injury last year. Um, but there were quite a few different names we thought we might see start at cornerback, and none of them are there. It's Braylon Lux, who has had a fantastic fall camp, and we'll be eager to see him get his shot that he's uh, deservedly earned. And then at the other safety position next to Williams, you've got Deontay Perry, who was recruited here as a running back and was more recently playing cornerback for the Bulldogs, and we had not seen contribute a whole lot on the field, so... Uh, he has also made big strides this season and has earned a safety spot. And uh, as a fifth-year senior, uh, is making the most out of the remainder of his eligibility. Um, so that is a group that is definitely going to have to prove itself, and they're going to have to do it very quickly against the Hawaii offense that is going to love to pass the ball. Uh, so that, I think, is my biggest question mark. Um, as far as reserves go, uh, all those cornerbacks I named, are they're on the two deep, and... Uh, redshirt freshman Reggie Strong and true freshman Kosi Ajina uh, from Sanger is in there. So they do have uh, a young second group as well. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, you know, I, I am a little bit concerned about that group, but uh, Evan Williams has really stood out and he's been described as the general of the defense. He's only a sophomore. I mean, the ceiling for this guy is off the charts and how much confidence they have. I am almost anticipating him to be named a captain, and I can't remember a, a sophomore that I can recall that's been a captain at Fresno State. So um, if Williams is the, the leader that we're expecting, uh, perhaps uh, he, he raises that defensive secondary another notch. Well, it's never good when we hear Jackson say he's a little concerned about that group. So, uh, I'm, 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 I'm now I'm really concerned about how that group's going to shake out this season. Uh, only time will tell. We may be pleasantly surprised, right, Jackson? I mean, it could go the other direction. Uh, yeah, that's that's the thing about cornerbacks. You never really know until uh, they're in that one-on-one matchup and the ball's in the air, and you find out pretty quick because uh, a lot of these guys, uh, the confidence kind of. Uh, snowballs either in a positive or negative way. We saw 
in 2013 and that stretch there when Fresno State was just rolling on offense and couldn't stop really much anyone on defense, how uh, cornerback play can be so critical. And then uh, a couple of the good Tedford years recently where cornerback play really brought the defense together. So um, it'll be hit or miss, and hopefully they, they hit some uh, the right mark on some of these guys. Yeah, hopefully we'll we'll see a good surprise this year uh, and see how things go. Now, granted, it's going to be a shortened season, so that might play into their favor <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, but the next group of guys is the special teams. Now, we all know with Bulldog Faithful, they either love them or they hate them um, <laughs> because it's either it's either we've got a, a kicker who is just killing it or can't hit the side of a barn for whatever reason. Um, what's your take on this? Did Has Caesar made some strides in the right direction this season? Caesar Silva. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because last year it was kind of both. I mean, Silva had, I think he had some three for three field goal games and had some 0 for three field goal games and had some days where uh, the extra points weren't on the on point, which is college is it's still right there, right next to the goal line. So it's pretty hard to miss those. Um, so you hope that he's a little more consistent this season. Um, he did hit the game winner uh, last November against Hawaii. So that's a good memory going into the season opener. And um, the, I think what encourages me most here is that um, there was a fresh set of eyes with the special teams coaches and some guys that might be able to progress them in a way that the past coaches did not. And that I would assume that Silva and Asa Fuller had a pretty open competition based on uh, both of them kicking for the Bulldogs over the past two years at varying levels of success. So I would hope that both of those guys uh, have are decent kickers. Uh, I mean, they surely have shown that and that Silva was the guy that emerged as the most consistent. Um, that would make me feel pretty good about the kicker position. And um, you know, fortunately, that is not the biggest concern for Fresno State. Uh, this year, it's probably more on the punter because Blake Cusick, uh, after punting for the last 52 games for Fresno State, uh, <laughs> I mean, even the 1-11 season, he was there punting. It seems like so long ago. Uh, he's finally not here anymore. Now it's going to be Cade Fuller, Asa's younger brother, who won the job. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see how his leg holds up and uh, if it's any sort of drop-off from Cusick's performances. You mean, you mean Cusick's no longer on the team? I mean, I thought they would bring him back for another six years or something. But I mean, I mean that guy was was pretty much money. I mean, he he had a hell of a leg, and to replace him is going to be very difficult, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but hopefully, they kind of got a guy who's going to come right in and and pick up where he left off. But it it always seems like when it got to Cusick, you could always count on him to put it where it needed to be. Um. But that that pretty much covers all of Fresno State's starting lineup for this game. And Jackson, what's your thoughts on this? I, usually Fresno State against Hawaii. This is a one of those rivalry games where neither team really likes each other. Um, but now you're going to throw another wrench into the mix, so to speak, with no crowds in the stadium. So obviously there's not going to be any noise from the crowd, from the Bulldog faithful, to kind of spur on the Bulldogs against uh, the uh, against Hawaii. How much of a difference is that going to make in this game uh, here at Fresno? Yeah. Um, you know, Hawaii is a team 
Fresno State has used the moniker of bring your own juice. That's what all the defensive coaches are, are telling the guys. There's no music at practice. There's no, you know, they're trying to keep energy as low as possible so that those guys have to do it themselves. And that's what it's going to be like on game day. I know the Hawaii teams of past years uh, with Nick Rolovich, a head coach, uh, that's a team that brought their juice wherever they went uh, most of the time. And they were a team that, might have been a little undisciplined at times. You might see more personal fouls from that group than a lot of other teams, but they were also a team that would go just go on these hot streaks. Um, you know, popcorn teams is a phrase that Tim DeRuiter used there, and that was a team that Hawaii really was. They'd just get momentum rolling, and they'd take off, and it didn't matter if they were home or away. Uh, they That's what really got them into the West Division Um uh, the, the title of the West Division into the conference championship game last year. Um, new head coach Todd Graham's a little bit of a different guy. He's more of a disciplinarian. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that clashes with how the team has been run previously. Um, but I still anticipate there's going to be a, a bit of an edge with that team. And Fresno State is one that, uh, you know, last year, um, you know, they, it was just a depleted team last November. And, the energy wasn't, didn't feel like it was always there at times. You know, there was some collapses at the O-line that kind of discouraged the offense and disrupted momentum. And we saw in big plays last year that games like Utah State, like uh, Nevada, the, the opposition were usually the ones that made those, those last fourth quarter plays to, to win games. And so I think this is an, an area where Fresno State will make a lot of strides because Coach Inge, uh, the defensive coordinator for Fresno State, uh, just from everything we're hearing, he has the intensity and the level of energy at a, a totally different level for Fresno State defensively. It feels a lot like when, um, you know, I know there's a lot of bad memories with the Coach Druder era, but when he got here, the offense was just flying around practice all day long, and that really translated with Derek Carr and all the receivers in their fast-tempo offense. Uh, I think this is a similar deal with the defense they may not have the scheme 100 percent down but i think you're going to see them fly around and bring the energy so you know there's a lot of unknowns with both teams it's going to be really hard to predict but uh i think you've got some pretty even matchups and uh two teams that are both going to be motivated i think if you're fresno state you're happy you're home and hawaii is the team that has to fly across the pacific ocean to get here uh, I think if there's any advantage as far as intangibles go, that's probably going to be the one. Yeah, it's definitely going to be uh, very strange, very different, so to speak, with you know no crowd noise. So it's really gonna it's it's really gonna be different for these players who are used to always having fans watch them play. Um, so it's gonna you know it's gonna really change the game for a lot of these players. Some of them are going to adjust fine. Others are just going to have a difficult time to deal with, so we're we're just going to have to wait and see how how things uh, pan out for either side. But this game against the uh, Hawaii is one that typically, if I remember correctly, Jackson, they're they're almost five hundred with each other, and typically, more times than not, it's either a blowout on one side or the other. Right, Jackson. I mean, as far as I can remember, <laughs> a, a lot of the games I remember against Hawaii has either been uh, these big blowouts or really tight. No in between. I mean, you either see it, one team just really take off or the other one 
uh, or a real, real tight game. What What is your kind of feeling on, on how this one's going to turn out? Are they pretty evenly matched? Yeah, I mean, you think even uh, about 2013, uh, I believe that's the season that Fresno State was rolling, and uh, Hawaii was not a great team, and it was one of the most lopsided first two, two-and-a-half quarters I've ever seen, and Hawaii rattled off like 30 straight points, and all of a sudden it was a close game. So, uh, I mean, this has been a, an odd series. Yeah, that one was 42-37 Fresno State. So there, there's always some extra um, energy in this game. Fresno State's uh, I mean, historically, it's pretty close, but Fresno State over the last decade has really pulled away. They got lucky, with, uh, not lucky, but um, the Bulldogs had some good seasons while Norm Chow really sent Hawaii in a different direction earlier in the, the 2010s. And um, even some of DeRuiter's bad years, they, they got some wins in the series. Uh, this year, uh, I think it is definitely a, a pretty even matchup. I mean, even... You look at last year, Hawaii was obviously a much better team in terms of wins and losses, but Fresno State, head-to-head, got the victory on the island, uh, something that was definitely not expected. It was a very close game. Uh, the Bulldogs needed to kick that field goal right at the very end. Um, I Personally, I think that this game might be very similar. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think it could come down to who has the ball last um, because – I look at Fresno State, and I think they have all the weapons in the world to be um, certainly just as good as they were last year. I think they're going to make some strides to get over the hump in some certain situations. And uh, even last year's team put on 41 points on Hawaii. So this is a very good opportunity for Fresno State's offense. At the same time, uh, Hawaii, they've got, I mean, they don't have Cole McDonald anymore, but they've got Chevin Cordero, who was a, he's a 4 0 starter, and he's had some. Uh, games where he came in uh, in relief essentially as a quarterback which is a bizarre thing but that's what they were doing there at Hawaii and he had some big comeback wins he almost came back and knocked off Fresno State last year he scored uh, led two touchdowns in the last couple of minutes of the game so he is solid and they lose they had three 1,000 yard receivers last year only one of them's back, but they have a graduate transfer uh, who from North Texas who also has a 1,000 yard receiving game under his belt. So even if it's not the traditional run and shoot, this is going to be a very difficult passing attack to stop. And I look at that Fresno State defensive secondary depth chart, and I see you know, not to uh, – I'm not taking any shots at Braylon Lux as far as a, a talent. He might go out there and have a fantastic game. But as far as a, a cornerback who is playing in this first collegiate game, and is going to have to be one-on-one with what looks like a 1,000-yard receiver on either side of the ball, uh, I think Hawaii is going to have some opportunities to put up quite a bit of points as well. And so, for me, I look for a, a repeat of what happened last year, to be honest. A, a high-scoring game, uh, both teams having spurts throughout the 60 minutes, and uh, it's kind of anyone's guess of what happens uh, at the end. Um, the, the people in Vegas who are even smarter than what I would like to think uh, have Fresno State as a six-point favorite. So um, that, was, that spells good for the Bulldogs. But I, I think this one, just everything going on, all the unknowns, two new coaching staffs, uh, is going to be incredibly difficult to predict. The first quarter is going to be unusual. <laughs> Usually Mountain West teams play three or four games before they get to this one. So there's going to be some feeling out on both sides of the ball. 
Uh, I mean, this is going to be one of the most unpredictable games that Fresno State has played in a long time. But if I had to bet on any one unit against the other, uh, I think Hawaii's passing offense has the biggest edge against Fresno State's pass defense. At least we'll have to see how they're put to the test right off the bat. Uh, as far as I know, when it comes to the point spreads, uh, uh, when it's Fresno State against Hawaii, I pretty much tend to just throw that out the window because it really doesn't mean anything in this game. <laughs> Those guys, I mean, the, these games are brutal when it comes to these two teams when they face each other. Um, no, no love loss for either one. But Jackson, what is going to be your keys of this game uh, as far as for the Bulldogs to be able to pull off a victory against Hawaii? Yeah, number one, absolutely, is going to have to be the pass defense. Um, uh, coach Graham, Todd Graham, the uh, new coach at Hawaii, is an experienced coach. He's been at different spots. This is much like um, when Fresno State, in a sense, went for Coach Tedford. Uh, Hawaii got an experienced coach. Basically, everyone else in the Mountain West went with the up-and-comers. So, um, but with as far as Coach Graham's offensive philosophies, he said he wants to spread the ball out. He wants to pass it a lot. It's not necessarily run and shoot, but it's up-tempo, and uh, a lot of offense is expected. So uh, for me, the biggest concern is definitely stopping that Rainbow Warrior offense, particularly against the pass. Um, that's just key number one. Um, another key, uh, as always, is going to be turnovers. I think in the game that I expect to be as close as this one will be, uh, that's obviously one that can swing the game either way at any given moment. And uh, for me on Fresno State's offense, I fully anticipate them to be able to move the ball against Hawaii's defense. It's just uh, you can't start off slow. You know, you can't have uh, it's hard because Jake Hayner's never started a college game and he's never played a game with this group of weapons. So understandably, there could be some growing pains in the first uh, few offensive drives, but that could ultimately cost you if uh, a more maybe experienced or, or veteran-heavy Hawaii team clicks right off the bat. So um, pass defense, turnovers, uh, starting quick on offense, if Fresno State can accomplish those three things, they should win this game. Um, but the, especially the pass defense, you just don't know. And that's something that could fall apart pretty quick against a team like a UH. Yeah, so it's definitely definitely going to be a, a great game between these two teams. Hopefully it lives up to the hype uh, as both of these teams go into, I believe it's going to be, It's is it still a Saturday evening game, Jackson? Yeah, they'll kick off at 4.30. And uh, this is probably a good thing to cover here as well. Um, a lot of some different viewing options that are available. If you're in, uh, we've gotten a lot of questions about this on the board. Uh, if you're in the Valley, you can watch it on KC24 locally. Uh, as long as you access that channel, you'll be able to watch the game on TV there. Uh, they're going to have some pregame, halftime show, postgame stuff. So a, a pretty good package there to watch. Um, if you're not in the Valley, and as long as you're not in Hawaii, uh, you can stream this game for free, whether it be on a mobile device or on a TV, a smart TV, or um, any other sort of device that makes your TV a smart TV. Uh, there's an app called the Team One Sports app. If you download that uh, on one of those devices, you'll be able to watch the game for free. Um, it will not be available on desktop or laptop computers, but any other device, you'll be able to watch the game. And um, if there's any particular reason you're in Hawaii or if you're a Bulldog fan that just happens to, to live there, 
um, you're going to have to go through the pay-per-view options that uh, Spectrum Sports is providing there locally, which comes with a hefty $70 fee to, to watch the game live. Um, so as long as you're in the continental United States, you should be able to access this game pretty easily. I know a lot of fans have been stressed about that since this is the only game all season long that's not on national TV. But uh, we'll have an article about that as well on game day, and you should be able to find it pretty easily wherever you are. Absolutely. I'm glad I asked that because that was that that is something <laughs> that uh, is going to be a question that's going to be asked quite a bit as to where they're going to be able to see this. And of course you just, you answered all of that. So look for uh, more of that on the barkboard.com. Jackson will break it down for you a little bit more on where to watch that, uh, watch the game. So take a look there. Um, maybe even, you might even post that on our Facebook page, right, Jackson? Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. There yeah. you can find us on Twitter, all barkboard.com. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure we get it out there as many ways as we can. Okay, perfect. Um, and before we we call it a day on the podcast, Jackson, any any final words or any anything any other items you want to cover before we head off here? Um, you know, just very intrigued to see this this team with um, you know a lot of questions that go into the season with the new coaching staff with. Um, new players all over the field, and a lot of teams in the Mountain West are going through the same thing. I think that, especially Fresno State's offense, there's a chance for them to take advantage of, the, of this unusual season with Coach DeBoer and Coach Grubb and all a bunch of other offensive assistants that are still here. Um, if they can get off to a fast start, I mean, I think they could really make some noise in the Mountain West this season and bounce back from what was a, certainly a disappointing 2019. Um, but as far as um, some other things go, you know, recruiting, recruiting the staff has, has really done a great job. They've got 15 commits in the class so far, and um, it really ranks better than I think we've seen at Fresno State in the 24 sport, 24/7 sports era as far as average recruiting ranking goes. Um, you know, pound for pound, Fresno State's never had a class that's ranked this well. So they're doing well on that end. We'll see if it translates as far as their on the field coaching abilities. And uh, also want to just point out a, a sale we've got going on for our Barkboard VIP content and insider reports. Uh, I mean, this is a, a special one because we've done this before, but never under these circumstances. It's two months of Barkboard VIP, and it only costs you a dollar. And the unique thing about this one is that Fresno State's only going to play eight games, and it's going to happen within two months. And so you can get the whole season of VIP content, uh, interviews, recruiting scoop, uh, breaking team info, and all that uh, for just a dollar. And then you can decide from there if you want to stick on. Uh, we'll see what happens after those eight weeks. Maybe there'll be a conference championship game. Maybe there'll be a bowl game. Maybe there'll be some recruiting fireworks leading in the signing days. There should be basketball. And so uh, there should be a lot to go on after that. But as far as football goes, we're never going to offer a full season for a dollar. So I uh, <laughs> hope if you're interested that you take advantage of this one. It's funny how that works out. <laughs> you get the whole season for a dollar. Uh, <laughs> hey, I mean, this is, the, this is the perfect opportunity for people to kind of check it out, check and see what the Barkboard is all about when it comes to premium content. Jackson does an excellent job of getting you all the latest information. And, and many times, you know, he reports it before anybody else does. So just keep that in mind. Um, and if you're one of those diehard fans who likes to get that information before anybody else does, so you can you can act like the big shot around your friends, 
Well, <laughs> perfect opportunity is with thebarkboard.com. That's for sure. With a premium subscription there, you can get all the latest information. Um, now, as far as all of that is concerned, make sure you head over to our bar, our uh, Facebook page. Just look up uh, barkboard.com and become a member of our Facebook page. We post a lot of information there, give you a lot of hints on stories to come, uh, breaking news, things like that, all get posted there so that you know to go over to the website and take a look what's going on. Um, also, you can follow Jackson on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. And anything you guys want to know, if you want to just send us a message, ask questions, feel free to do so over at thebarkboard.com. We've got a a forum that you can be a part of and ask questions, and Jackson will get right back to you. So for that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again back next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.